2: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
0: This is Cork Today. Cork Today with JP McNamara on C103. Cork Screen.
1: And a very good morning to you. Our lines are open 1850-333-103 Bernie taking your comments across the show. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 or you can tweet us across the morning at C103 Cork and ahead on the programme. We will be and this is quite worrying where we're hearing this from the UK initially and now it has uh, hit Ireland. This is where students in particular are being warned to be vigilant following reports of first of all drinks being spiked in nightclubs but now this injection spiking where basically you're in a bar or a late night bar or a nightclub and you you don't feel this needle going into you it's so thin but what it is they are injecting type of drugs into your system and then it's the same as spiking a drink it has been reported in the UK for the last number of weeks so much so that now there's a boycott of nightclubs in some cities and towns in the UK because they feel they should be doing more to protect those going into the nightclub uh, but it's a big warning to students here because there was a report of this injection spiking in Dublin last weekend and if it's already happened in Dublin as many will say some that, that person reported the spiking a lot of people don't report things like this and who's to say it's not happening elsewhere so it's a warning uh, to students more so because if you are a first year or second year in college well you won't be too familiar uh, with the goings on in a nightclub in an urban area you know, not be very familiar with nightclubs in rural areas but there can be a big difference with nightclubs in city areas compared to a rural area uh, and a lot of those who have moved to cities So, and even though if you're from the city yourself going into a, a nightclub you wouldn't have been able to do so or you shouldn't have been in there anyhow if you were under 18. Uh, But it's just a different way of life and it's just to be aware and streetwise about this and to get the message out there. And if you're listening and you're a parent or a grandparent, uh, to let those who you know who are in college aware of this. We'll be speaking with Mary Crilly of the Cork Sexual Violence Centre, raising this issue this morning. Also, DNA testing of dogs. It could be happening here and it could be happening in the Fermoy area. And this is to combat the problem of dog fouling, which is a a massive problem all over Cork, all over the country. But now, uh, this uh, scheme could be happening in Fermoy, where they could test the DNA of dogs in a bid to combat dog fouling. It's something that was trialled in Leitrim. We'll discuss that this morning. Also, we're going to hear why Cork County Council wants the Minister for Justice and the Garda Commissioner to get tough and scam calls and texts and cyber attacks, mainly... Uh, this has been going on for for years, but at this stage, uh, the councillors and those in the council feel uh, that the Justice Minister and the Gardaí could do more, along with the phone companies, by the way, who uh, listen to a lot of the technology experts are saying that they're washing their hands of this, so much so that the SMS texts we all use, I know a lot of people use WhatsApp now and that's becoming more popular, but uh, the SMS texts could die out because of the scam texts doing the rounds mainly they're on the old tech service that some people use, And phone calls, people just simply are afraid to answer the phone anymore because if they get a number they don't know, they don't answer it. So it is causing problems and more should be done from phone companies but also uh, from the Justice Minister and the Gardaí we'll discuss that this morning. And we're going to talk about Halloween traditions What is your favourite? Was it Snap Apple? Was it the Conquerors? Was it the one where you put the nuts in the bowl of water and try and get them out? And also outside of all of the old games people used to play what is your spookiest story we got a few already by text, Kin was uh, discussing this earlier on the breakfast show haunted houses maybe a house you lived in at one stage which was haunted maybe a place you worked was haunted let us know You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 and also uh, do you believe in ghosts is the question we're asking this morning. We're asking this on Instagram on C103 Insta Stories. Are you afraid of ghosts or do you believe in ghosts? Well, if you believe in ghosts at the moment on Insta uh, there's a 50-50 on this but in general do you believe in it or do you not believe in them? Anyhow, let us know. We'll be speaking everything about Halloween later in the programme. We'll also be hearing as we've heard all week about the various events taking place uh, tying in with that about the Ban Banshee Festival which is taking place in Bandon all part of the Taste of Bandon uh, that's to come between now and one o'clock and also we'll be going to the movies after 12.30 with Mark and he'll be reviewing some spooky movies for the Halloween weekend and your thoughts are always welcome on 1850 333 text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 uh, but something that is making a front page of the Irish Times this morning Martin Wall is writing this and this is how rail passengers and it's not the ideal time of the year for this, but we understand why they're about to do do this, because rail passengers, first of all, are going to face some travel disruption in the run up to Christmas because train staff workers are set to ballot for work stoppages. And this is coming from the National Bus and Rail Union, who say uh, that the authorities must act to protect rail workers from anti-social behaviour. And basically downright thuggery, which has gone on well beyond tipping point at this stage. The union is to ballot its members in Irish Rail next week for a mandate to engage in industrial action, including work stoppages in a protest at the lack of protection afforded to members in this regard across the rail network. And they spoke to a number of Irish Rail staff who work on the railway lines right across the country. And here's just an example. Of what they are putting up with. And I don't know what has gone into people in the last two years, but there's this sense of entitlement that people can feel. They can just say what they want to somebody or do what they want and that we're all entitled to this and that and have no respect. It's totally gone out the window, anyhow, for anybody dealing with people. And the thing is, if you're in a customer service role, you have to show respect. You have to... Be mindful that the customer is always right. I mean, at this stage, I would say give as good as you get. If someone's been horrible to you, I I would, that goes out the window. No one has a right to treat someone that badly. If someone has been nasty on a phone call, well, give as good as you get. I say if if they think they can just talk to somebody like this or talk down to someone, I'm afraid not. I wouldn't agree with this. The customer is always right. If they feel they can just talk you down or do stupid things or be horrible to a person on the phone, no, I definitely would not take that off anybody and I don't think anybody should. Uh, but anyhow, this is what is happening on Irish Rail. Uh, but these are, are quite extreme. This is going to uh, outside of customer service. Totally. This is something totally extreme with what is happening uh, on the trains. Here's an example. And this is where a young lady uh, got on a train in Mallow and was put into first class by a member of staff who informed This train hostess that the young lady had been sexually assaulted on the train from Tralee to Mallow. Now, this hostess could see the girl crying the whole train ride from Mallow to Cork, so she asked if she was okay. And she explained to me that the Gardee were called, but nothing was done about that man, and he was only told to get back on the train to Tralee. Now, she was disgusted that staff allowed him to travel back to Tralee, fearing that he could do this to another person. And she believed a lot more could have been done and was not happy with the way it was handled. That's one incident of what's happening on the trains. Also, uh, another uh, person who was working on the train told this story whereby, and this was from Wexford, uh, a man in his 60s joined the train with a friend. Both had free travel cards. Uh, He constantly asked the worker on the train for my name and my number. And he asked if I was single. So I told him that he was making me feel uncomfortable and asked him repeatedly to stop. He said, oh, I'll follow you up the train then. I told him to sit down. And once we got to Connolly station in Dublin, I got off the train and came up to and he came up to me again. So at this stage, uh, the person, the rail worker texted to the security and also asked a colleague to come down as he was getting closer to her. Uh, When the security lad came down, he asked him what he was doing, and he kept saying, I see something I like. I want to get to know her. And he then was thrown out of the railway station. There are just two examples from the Irish Times this morning of what is happening on our rail network. Uh, I mean, that's just awful to think people are, are like that. I mean, that poor girl that was on the train... Uh, and in the train station in Mallow, and then that man who was saying this to the the worker on that train in Wexford, and to think that he felt that he could, you know, say that to that to that lady. Um, and even when the train stopped in Connolly, he still persisted. So, uh, yeah, I and mean, there's more examples. There's a lot more out there. And that's just a different side of what those in the front line working on services are dealing with. Anyhow, they could lead to train stoppages. And, you know, yeah, when you look at that, uh, you'd say the workers are right. They shouldn't be taking that abuse or that type of behaviour off anybody. Anyhow, your views are welcome on that. 1850 or text or WhatsApp zero eight six two one zero three one zero three. And the nightclubs, they remain open this weekend. Uh, but now compliance officers can make unannounced inspections of nightclubs. And this is because of the new regulations that are coming into force. And these are the new tough uh, guidelines and fines and even... Jail of up to a year for those venue operators and patrons who break the law. The new guidelines published yesterday include the requirement of tickets for nightclubs and live venues from today. And it will be punishable offence if you're on the premises with a fake vaccination session. Any time visits will be mandated. This is to allow the monitoring of the clubs under the new law. And they're also looking that people are wearing masks and that the queues at bars are well spaced. And it will be an offence to deny entry to a compliance officer. And the offence and the fine could be €2,500 and it could be an immediate issue. Half oh, a fine. So I'm not too sure how these uh, laws are going to work out. I mean, they, they're issuing tickets to nightclubs, or they're telling, tickets to, uh, telling nightclubs even to issue tickets to their patrons. So if you want to go to a nightclub and you know you're going to go, and you go online, you get your ticket an hour in advance. But you're at 11.30, when the nightclub's open, people are going to go to the front door. And if you have 20 people going together, there's still going to be a queue. They might space out. But then at 11.30... Uh, at night, if people are after drink, are they all going to space out and is it up to the bouncer to uh, try to let people in and then you could have at the end of the queue more who are not spacing out because they know a few in front of them and they want to to chat to them or I don't know how it's going to work to be honest. I mean, it's, we know why they're doing it and, and, and because of the increasing numbers, but it seems it's going to be very very hard to police this uh, in particular for those nightclubs and you know as the night goes on and more drink is taken how do you prevent queues at bars will people even know they're wearing a mask or not in a nightclub anyhow uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens but it's a tough call for all working in nightclubs and bars right across our city and county this weekend I know some nightclubs who just simply are just at the moment uh, returning this weekend it's a late night bar and not a nightclub because they simply must figure out how they can enforce this and get a ticket system up and running because it's too late or it was too close to the weekend when they were told but again you'd wonder when the nightclub's open how they can prevent queuing outside when you still need a ticket but you still need to get into the nightclub regardless of tickets or not and people will queue once 11.30 comes they'll head to the door so I don't know I really don't know how it's going to work uh, we'll, we'll wait and see uh, best of luck to all involved in that one and again you know it's they're there for the, the right reasons and we, we can see Covid is increasing but still Uh, rules and and logical rules Uh, you would have to think uh, whoever's making this there's enough young politicians and I'd hope young civil servants that would know how the nighttime economy works to come up with something uh, that would sound logical uh, anyhow your views are welcome on that uh, I'm sure a lot of you use Facebook well it's re- well Facebook isn't rebranding it's the overall company that owns Facebook is rebranding to Meta uh, but for those who use the app or online it's still going to be Facebook and they obviously own WhatsApp and Instagram as well and the reason for this basically is the toxic nature that goes with Facebook and people again goes back to something like we spoke earlier about the customer service people feel they can say what they want where they want on Facebook and people can basically claim they know something about someone or claim that something is correct and it's not correct and it appears up on Facebook and everybody believes it. It's a platform really that young people are turning away from. This is why they're trying to turn the tide here and turn the negativity from whistleblowers and everything away from Facebook but at the same time I think they're well aware the younger demographic has gone away from Facebook. I, None of my friends have just gone off it. They don't use it anymore. Instagram is the big winner. Then they own that as well so it doesn't make a difference to them if you leave Facebook or not. They own Instagram, uh, but Instagram is where uh, people are turning to now, and, and Facebook is something that uh, where it was once the leader and it still is when it comes to stats and we get figures on how many people use Facebook it's still big but uh, the amount of people that, that I know that use it is, is really dwindling I don't know anybody that really looks at it anymore from my own friends anyhow they, they just got sick of it they got stick of the abuse they can stick of the, the stupidity on it so people can go to Instagram where it's just pictures only and there's no abuse now there is still problems with Instagram and you do uh, see abuse methods but nothing like you do on Facebook but yeah it'll be interesting to see if they, they can save it that way it, it is a lot I uh, know demographic now that seems to be using Facebook compared to when it started up. And schools back on Monday, answers and testing now could be used uh, for the amounting pressure that is going on in schools at the moment. We heard yesterday from the Irish Principals uh, Network who, Irish Primary Principals Network, who were discussing with, with us the problems they're having in keeping teachers in the classroom. Uh, because if a teacher gets sick or a cold, they have to get a test and that means then they need a substitute teacher. That's not enough of them to go around and the fear is that schools could close because of the shortage in substitute teachers and trying to keep everybody within the classroom and keep the school open well now antigen testing could be used in schools. Uh, it was said yesterday that uh, they could be having children who are in a pod at a school maybe sent for an antigen test if their group has a confirmed case and they're doing as much as they can to uh, leave the schools as they are and open and can I say hello to everybody involved in the uh, Skibbereen Arts Festival because we were calling this out for the last week or so. uh, They were organising this Candle in the Wind event and this was commemorating all those who passed away locally in the Skibbereen area during the pandemic and were unable to receive a proper traditional funeral. A number of people and large crowds in Skibbereen last night all walking through the town that ended up in the Fairfield. But uh, lovely pictures this morning about the Echo and the Examiner of people walking through the streets of Skibbereen with candles. Uh, Very poignant scenes I must say there in those photos and I was speaking to our Skibbereen reporter Stu Harrington earlier who was there and was telling me about that but a fantastic event to organise and well done to everybody in Skibbereen, Declan and the gang there within the Skibbereen Arts Festival uh, for organising that. And I know we're getting a lot of calls here regarding the local property tax and revenue is also getting over 10,000 phone calls a day on average and over 30,000 letters on the local property tax. The deadline is looming of course to evaluate your uh, home for the local property tax we will be discussing that in more detail on the show on Tuesday next week we will be rejoined by revenue to go through that as there's a lot of confusion uh, about what is happening with the local property tax uh, your views are welcome though for today 1850 333 103 lines open or you can text a whatsapp 0862 103 103 <laughs> Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with
0: your comment. 1850
1: 333 103. Students are being warned to be extra careful when out socializing following a rise in drink spikes and spiking via injection. Mary Crilly of the Sexual Violence Centre in Cork joins me on this. Good morning to you Mary. Morning, John Paul. Uh, this is a worry and maybe more so for newcomers to college and uh, with everything going on in the last two years, those in first year and second year who may not be aware or be streetwise when it comes to college life and nightclubs in urban areas. I mean, we have heard of injection spiking in the UK over the last few weeks and recently there's believed to be an incident in Dublin last weekend. It's quite a worry that this is going on, Mary. Uh, we've always heard of drinks worrying. spiked, I, but injection's yeah. a new level, isn't it?
3: I think it's a new level, but what we've also come across is a few women who have said, or a few girls have said that they they have marks on themselves which is like an injection. You know, nothing happened to them, but I think there are a number of guys going around to think this is a great laugh. We're not going to have anything in the injection, but we're going to do it to someone for laugh and see how they feel and kind of, it, that's worrying, if they think it's funny to kind of upset or, you know, freak somebody out in that kind of way. So there's two things going on. There's guys who are doing it to Have their way to you know perpetrators who are doing it to get women comatose, and others who are doing it because they think it's a laugh.
1: And I know student reps are well aware of what is happening, and there's more campaigns now out and about in various colleges. But while we're mentioning students here, Mary, it's really anybody, I suppose, who's out and about as nightclubs and the nighttime economy opens. Every age group really needs to be careful here.
3: You see, I think it is, and I think like a lot of people are very careful. Girls are very careful. Young guys are kind of very careful. But if you're in a big crowd and you're pushing your way through and somebody simply scratches you, it, it might feel like you hit off a chair or something. I, like I suppose I feel I'm tired of the girls and everybody else being told, be careful. I'm asking the friends of these guys, Like very few guys who are going to a nightclub on their own. They go in with friends. Their friends see them doing it. They might think it's a laugh or they might think that's not funny but we're not getting involved in it. I'm asking them to start, please start getting involved and please stop it because they are the people who can stop it. The guys that are doing this will brag to their friends about what they're doing. They'll either say it's a great laugh or they say whatever they want to say about having somebody last night who wasn't even aware that they were there. So we're really calling on them, the good guys, to start standing up and calling it out because they're the ones that can really make the change.
1: Yeah, and call out your mates on what they are doing. And again, it's not everybody is doing this. It's it's not happening everywhere. There's isolated incidents, but it is a growing phenomenon at the moment in the UK. And, you know, when you get reports of it in Ireland, you wonder how many people are reporting it. Is is there more out there? And I suppose you're mentioning there about girls, that this can happen to guys as well. It's it's not just happening uh, to girls over the years. You know, anybody's drink can be spiked. Anybody's drink can be spiked. And I think male
3: rape is a serious it's a serious problem, and it is happening. And if you think, even in our annual report, um, only more than two-thirds of those who were raped or sexually assaulted didn't report to the guard. So did he report in something like this, where you're not even sure if it happened? You're not even sure if you drank too much, or is that why you blacked out? You've lost half an hour, you don't know where you were. Your friend might say, um, I'm going home because you've been disappearing all night, you don't know where you were. And then the person, the girl, guy doesn't know where they've been or what happened, and they're very confused. And, I mean, we have to look at kind of who's doing it. And the majority of people who are raped, it's always somebody they know. So they could be seen on camera leaving a nightclub with a friend, a guy who would kind of say you know, you're not looking too well, I'll take you out. I kind of sometimes hate saying this, John Paul, because the majority of guys are good, and the majority of guys who bring somebody out in that kind of way, will be bringing them out to bring them home, to take care of them, to make sure they're okay. But the the minority who do it are consistent, and will keep doing it because they feel entitled to it. They feel like this girl or this guy is fair game, and they keep doing it, and that's why they need to be called out. It's never just one night where they feel like doing this. They have it planned.
1: Yeah and they'll keep doing it unless they are called out and these injections we're speaking about here and I mentioned this at the start of the show uh, because Maura is saying surely you'll feel the injection but seemingly they're so thin that you, as you said it could be like a scrape off a chair you don't really notice I you've got injected. I think that's
3: home it felt like a scratch yeah. like they hit off something um, no they're tiny little injections they're you know, tiny little things that you wouldn't feel it or in a nightclub if you're drinking or you're trying to you've been queuing up to try and get in or whatever kind of state you're in that's the last thing you think about.
1: So I suppose that the overall message is for people just to be mindful and also to watch your friends and if you know someone that is doing it, to call them out but it is awful Absolutely. to think that, that, that this is actually happening. It's an, it's something new that has come out but to think that someone can actually think about injecting someone is quite worrying and also Mary, I see in the UK this morning reports coming out from the papers that a number of protests have taken place outside nightclubs in certain cities in the UK that they want the nightclub owners to act on this and if they see something suspicious to simply just go and approach the person rather than friends calling them out. I mean, is the, I, I would hope that would happen here in Ireland anyhow.
3: I hope it would and I hope that, the, you know, the guys that are doing it for a laugh, who feel they're not doing anything wrong, that they've nothing in the injection, they're not kind of out to harm anybody. The fear that that puts into girls is just horrific mm. and the impact it has on them is horrific as bad as kind of being given something. So they really need to wake up and look at the impact their behaviour is having on people. And like we have another campaign going for the past while which you know, nightclubs and pubs will be getting involved in. And the Safe Gigs, you know, we've had it going for a while. CBG launched it a couple of months ago and we're hoping to work with all the nightclubs to put that in place where they'll be adhering to certain criteria as a Safe Gigs venue. Because like the reality is people want to go out do want to have a good time and they want to get home safe and that's all we
1: want Exactly you don't to be worrying about what's around the corner no, when you're no. on your night out and uh, Mary I know we're mentioned there about, about what's happening uh, and it's kind of aiming I suppose at those who are new to nightclubs again it's a reminder to those listening who might have children at that age 19, 20, 21, 22 who are new to that scene or grandparents it's just to warn them that this is happening and warn them to be careful because the more that they know and are aware of this the more we can stop this from going on as well uh, and to call out their friends as you say if they're aware they're doing it your, your annual report, Mary, uh, which is out, it was released yesterday and something we touched on there regarding students and something we spoke about over the last two years on the increase in domestic violence as more people were at home. Uh, this saw a number of people reaching out to your service and others. Uh, and, and the worrying thing here was it was all ages, Mary. People uh, always presume it's the, the person who's married for 30 or 40 years. Students uh, played a, a big part here. There's 23% in this report were students reaching out for domestic Violence.
3: And and I think in that we think about it, we were in COVID, we were in lockdown, and I think of that twenty three percent. You know, it was in their own apartment or in the perpetrator's apartment, which meant they knew the person very well, which meant with students, it was people who were locked in, who were kind of in student accommodation, or other kinds of accommodation, people who they trusted. And, you know, when we were all being safe, washing hands, keeping masks on, in the early days, when people were petrified about it, girls were still in contact saying that, that they were getting raped, that they felt really trapped. They were in the apartment, maybe with four or five other people, this has happened. Because we need to look at how these perpetrators do it and the head games they play. They'll rape a young girl or they'll rape a young guy. And then the next day they'll kind of say, are you okay? Um, pretty, we can't go out tonight. What will we do? Will we ring so-and-so? Will we do whatever? As if nothing happened. So the person who's been raped is kind of thinking, did I imagine this? Did I give a wrong message? Um, what's going on here? They play total head games. So the victim really questions. You know, their role in it and what they do. And all I'd ask people is to trust them, trust themselves. If they know something happened, it happened. And don't believe the perpetrators. Don't believe the head games they play, Don't believe them when they say they didn't mean It's it very deliberate. Because the majority of guys, I think, took care of their friends during COVID. They made sure they were okay. They were in apartments. They might have been frustrated, kind of being locked up and not being able to go out. But they took care of each other. And the ones that didn't were very deliberate about it.
1: Yeah, and and on the domestic violence side of things, I mean, you did see an increase over the last uh, year or so, as we mentioned before on the show, Uh, there were some reservations, I suppose, at the start because of people working from home and a hybrid of services being offered by support services. Uh, Have you been able to support or open up more supports in the last number of months?
3: We were very much open up, but you know a lot of people are still using Zoom, which is mm. their preference, which surprised me because we would have been believed, you know, in the early days that you couldn't possibly provide, you know, that kind of therapy needed over Zoom, but it works really well, and so far we are offering both face to face and Zoom, but the majority of people are still using Zoom because they say they're not rushing into town, they're not running back to get kids. You know, guys are kind of saying they don't have to take the same amount of time off work. Um, It's working in different ways, and it's really opened our eyes to kind of different ways of working with people. I think those in domestic violence situations, their lives were just horrific because they had no break. You know, women have often said in domestic violence that they wake up in the morning, if they sleep at all, think about how to get through today and how to keep the kids safe. And for them, there's just no leeway, no leverage, no break. I think it was horrific.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it's awful to think that that was the case and they were living within that for, for so long. Um, Mary, a lot of reading in your report and I suppose the overall thing, it comes back to the justice system here. Do you think that we do enough for those who do find themselves in a situation like domestic abuse? Does it still go back to the victim blaming? It
3: totally goes back It totally goes back to say, you know, even in domestic violence, the way they say it will take a woman kind of maybe seven or eight occasions before she's really able to go because she feels she can't cope. He's made her feel she can't cope without him. He's made her feel she's inadequate, she's useless, and she's a piece of rubbish. He'll come across to the families as being a really good guy doing his best, and with this woman who's falling apart. So she's often seen in that kind of way that um, people might say, God, she's lucky to have him at all, you know, because I think we need to remember that the perpetrator in Domestic and sexual violence not only grooms the victim, but they groomed the people around them as well. So that they won't believe this guy is even capable of doing this.
1: Yeah, and that's what we need, I suppose, the, the the lawyers and the judges as well to be more aware of that when things like this do end up in court. For the moment, Mary, thanks for joining us and well Thank done you. in all the work you do in highlighting these situations.
4: Thanks a lot. Thank
1: Uh, you. you. Mary Crilly there from the Cork Sexual Violence Centre and again a word of warning to those uh, who are out and about. It's primarily in the students but I think everybody needs to be careful uh, with the extra spiking of drinks that is happening in all uh, social aspects of life, be that bars and nightclubs or wherever you're out and also uh, in particular relation to nightclubs, the injection, the new uh, phenomenon of injections spiking that's uh, happening now here in Ireland, also started in the UK uh, initially and now here unfortunately uh, and just to be to be careful and just to pass on the word that this is happening and for our people to mind themselves when they're out and as Mary said there if those that you know are doing this for some reason or another to call them out on it anyhow our lines are open 1850-333-103 text or whatsapp 862 103 and coming up we're going to discuss DNA testing for dogs and what can be done? Can this happen? Well, they did a trial in Leitrim and now a trial could be happening here in Cork in Fermoy and all of this is to deal with the problem of dog following. Discussing that next. Cork today on C103.
0: Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086
1: 103, 103 Could DNA testing for dogs be on the way to Fermoy? Well, councillors have proposed the idea to tackle the issue of dog fouling and Councillor Deirdre O'Brien joins me on this Good morning to you Deirdre Good morning John Paul a DNA testing of dogs that has been mentioned by a number of our listeners over the last number of years when we discussed the issue of dog fouling How would this work?
5: Yeah I suppose look at you know you know, the scourge of dog fouling and I suppose since Covid has nearly has got worse because I you even more dogs but I suppose the main thing is that you would have to microchip. And this actually was brought to, um, in World Council, actually back in 2015, directed by Kevin O'Keefe, and it went to the Environment Committee. And at the time, I suppose it was on about that, you know, you'd have to microchip. And the problem at the time, like, microchip was kind of the compliance and the, um, the funding and whatever. But I think at this stage, you know, for, we, when we weigh up the pros and cons and the prevention and, and the dealing with it, you know, you need to, like, I think you re- we have to go down this road. And I suppose to microchip, then you'd have to give your dog license and maybe begin the enforcement at the dog licensing stage. Ensure everyone has a dog license. And then you microchip. And then I suppose what it would probably mean is that you take the saliva from the dog's mouth and you also take um, a sample from the the dog poo and you match it. And I suppose, look, you know, it just has to be done because we're getting nowhere really with enforcement. It's very, very difficult to enforce on-the-spot fines um, to perpetrators. And I suppose, look. Human, it's humans. It's it's not the dog's fault. It's the humans' fault. You know, we have to be kind to our community. You know, it, it's not fair. And the people that the vulnerable people.
1: So when the dog does dirt in the street, you can test that dirt, and then that will go back to to the DNA database, which then will let you know who the owner is. And I know this was introduced in Leitrim, I suppose the big question is, can dog owners refuse them to get their dogs tested?
5: Mm, yes. Yeah, look, there has to be some kind of enforcement. There has to be some kind of law that says. They have to, they have to be asked to cooperate with the ward, I suppose, in allowing a sample maybe, um, to be taken, you know. But, um, and I suppose if they don't, if they don't, if they fail to comply, um, I think there is that the, a the, the compels, they are compels that there has to be, um, under the Animal Health and Welfare Act, it compels the owner to allow a saliva, um, sample to be taken from their dog. Because
1: every dog is supposed to be microchipped I mean our vet here Jane would always say that And always advise that you should get your dog microchipped But a number of people don't
5: That's right but I think it has to come I just think some, a law has been for Something has to be brought in around it I'd be interested to see like how Leitrim um, County Council are actually progressing this And it is something I was going to bring to I'm on the Environment Strategic Policy Group And it's supposed to bring it to the next meeting Because it did come up, it has come up But, you know, I feel we're kind of, uh, you know, hitting wall with it. But I think at this stage we have to go further. And if someone else can do it, why can't we, you know? And maybe pilots are from my area.
1: Yeah and it would be a great idea to pilot it in one area of Cork and see how it does go and I mean you're right more people have uh, got dogs over the last two years or so and are walking more over the last year and that has led to an increase in dog dirt in all towns and cities uh, right across the country but do you think this is to go ahead you will get support on this and will the local authorities support uh, this to go ahead? Well I got the
5: support of the members at the last meeting and it was actually Councillor Leary raised it and because it had something that's been kind of floating around for a long time. And the fact that I'd raised the motion on the dog fouling issue that has just been, it's just escalated at the moment, I feel. And it was, you know, when you say COVID, there's a lot of people out walking more and they're on the public realm more. And they, they even not counter it. And even people tell you, living in the streets, they open their door in the morning and straight up facing them. You know, so that's not right. You can't be living like that. And so, like, look, we all know that um, the feces, that, that, that the danger it can cause to the eco and parasites, like wrong worm, so, like, we need to be careful, like, and it's people are vulnerable in our community, like wheelchair users, visually impaired people, babies, toddlers, people using buggies, prams, you know, like, it's, uh, people even playing sport. you know, they're all, you know, um, being faced with this, so we need to be, we, we have to take it, um, control, we have to take charge. I think there is a responsibility there to us, so I think definitely I can't see why we can't enforce this.
1: And, dear Trey, you mentioned there about enforcement and fines that, you know, warranty they supposed working out in the current method we have. I mean, if a dog then, uh, a dog owner, that is, is caught and the owners receive a fine, I mean, what would happen when the dog dirt is linked back to the dog and you do approach the owner, I mean, will they respond? And if they don't respond, uh, what action can go ahead? What legal action can you take? Well, I
5: would imagine there has to be some way of legal action. If you are a guilty person that you, you know, there's proof, there will be proof that you know, how can you, you know, unless some maybe laws be brought in, but like at the moment we we'll say um, it compels the owner to allow the slide time to be taken so you have the evidence there. You know, so mm. like it should be, there has be enforcement there. Like enforcement is there at the moment that you're, if you see the dog who in the footpath and you you um, enforce a fine there. You know, so like the the person has to pay the fine, it, it, they're compelled to pay a fine then. So like why not can we carry the, the next lens, you
1: know? Yeah, but it is a massive problem. I have a number of people on here from uh, different areas of the county and different towns. we saying where I live in my street, it's got way worse over the last number of years. Uh, Tom and from I says it's a great idea. We think we should now enforce this as soon as we can. The more people then that are caught, it will reduce dog dirt on our streets. It's very unfair on us who live off the street to open our door every morning and come across this. It's not nice. How would the owners like it if dog dirt was outside there? For door every morning and Lisa is a wheelchair user and she says I don't know how many times I am going around city streets and any towns and yes dog dirt unfortunately would end up on the wheel of my wheelchair and without me knowing it I put my hand on the wheel and then it's all over me. It's very unfair I think some of those people uh, should spend the day with me and see what I have to deal with when it comes to dog dirt says Lisa on text 0862 103 103. Well let us know I mean Deirdre if this is to go ahead how soon can it be implemented for moi?
5: This is it I suppose look I will have to go to the environment section to bring it up the next day but we hope they might come back into our local authority I suppose look it's a step by step approach and I suppose look, as a public representative that's where I feel like come in and people coming to me and with issues like and I feel that you know I do feel for people because it is a scourge, and that's why I think I'm going to keep at this because it's been something that's been floating around for a while. I think if a can do effort, we need to be doing
1: it. Totally, and it's across the municipal districts. So that would include all areas within the that's would be for my Mitchellstown and all of that area. It would be yeah. yeah so be both yeah. of, those, of those towns. And, and by the way, as you're on and I mentioned Mitchellstown, there we had a few calls in yesterday evening, and this is to do with the HSE dental clinic in Mitchellstown. It closed for the pandemic, but now it seems. There's no sign of it reopening.
5: Yeah, they do risk assessment, and they say that it, it's not feasible to open, and that there's sh- staff shortages. But like this seems to be, well, I say, like it's one thing after another. Our services have been depleted in our villages and towns, you know. And it just seems kind of like we have kind of giving into COVID, and that you know, it closed for COVID to kind of give them a reason. It's like our Bank of Ireland went two weeks ago when it closed during COVID, I was saying why closed during COVID when it's the time you need the bank in your local town, not to be traveling to another town. So there was kind of like something was wasn't, wasn't guiding up on that.
1: Mm, that again, they're using as an excuse, you think, so they're using COVID as an excuse to close these services. And if they do close, well, they have closed this one well, in Mitchellstown. Where do people go now for dental checks?
5: They're actually telling them to redirect them to Mallow or from I. But, like, you know, Mallow is quite a distance from Mitchellstown and certainly don't have a safe road to Mallow at the moment yeah. and no local funding coming toward, um, coming into this near uh, future. And, um, the, like they the upheaval for parents you know, to get, like, you know, we don't have a... a well, OK, the bus service from Mitcham to my from but they're saying to Mallow. But we don't have the bus service from Mitcham to Mallow. And it's like, time, even, taking children out of school, bringing them... And we all know how crucial it is to look after our children's teeth. And if you don't look after your children's teeth, you're going into adults, they're where the issues will be. And that's where the cost will be higher to the state.
2: Yeah, you totally. Know,
5: so it doesn't make sense. You know, we should be encouraging parents to bring their children to the dentist. But it will be something... If there's no pain, they see nothing wrong, they kind of maybe just say, look, you know, we would let it go this time, whatever. And it slips on it slips on. So sometimes you realise yourself that you've been in the dentist for so many months. Thank God. It's like yesterday was there. You know, and it's, a, it's, a, we, it's crucial that you have a service like that inside in a, size, a sizable town like Mitchellstown.
1: Yeah and you're right more and more services uh, unfortunately are disappearing from towns like Mitchellstown and others across the county for the moment Deirdre uh, we'll leave it there and thanks for joining us this morning we'll watch uh, with close interest what will happen uh, with the DNA testing for dogs and if that pilot project anyhow does come to way but thanks for joining us this morning that is Councillor Deirdre O'Brien your views are welcome 1850 333 103. your lines are open 1850 333 103. your views are welcome Bernie taking your comments across the programme you can text or WhatsApp 08621 And on the way, we are going to be discussing why Cork County Council wants the Minister for Justice and the Garda Commissioner to get tougher when it comes to those scam calls and texts we're all receiving at the moment. And indeed, those cyber attacks we're hearing about. And Halloween. Do you like Halloween? And the traditions around Halloween. Remember Snap Apple? The apple hanging off the ceiling and we were all uh, queuing up trying to take a bite off the apple. Or how many people had conkers or uh, some form of nuts in a bowl of water. Water and you're trying to pick them out uh, with your mouth and teeth and other games that people played. So what were your favourites? Your memories are welcome. And also, uh, do you believe in ghosts? Because people have mixed views on that. Uh, We have a few emails in from people's stories when it comes to uh, ghosts and what uh, they thought, anyhow, were houses that were haunted. Your views, if you have a story, maybe you were... Uh, living in a house or working in some place that was haunted or you thought was haunted anyway there was some ghostly activity there Uh, let us know we'll be discussing all things Halloween uh, before midday Uh, but a lot of calls and comments and firstly this is to do with what we spoke with Mary Crilly from the Cork Sexual Violence Centre on the issue of drinks being spiked and this new uh, method of uh, those using an injection to spike someone and we have heard this from the UK and now from Dublin over last weekend but uh, people turning up in hospital and then testing positive for multiple drugs because of this simple injection which the needle is so thin it's like a scratch it's like you would have scratched it off a chair if you're walking along and that's the concern that you know that this could grow and from the annual report that we spoke with also with Mary Crilly regarding the sexual violence centre a lot of people don't report those crimes we don't know how extensive this is across the country but anyhow a lot of comments from people who unfortunately have had instances like this in the past um First of all though a comment Michael has made here Uh, I'm not too sure what people will make of this uh, but Michael says "Uh, Hi there The clothes young girls are wearing today are very revealing It doesn't do anything for them only makes them look cheap says Michael on text uh, I'm not too sure Michael what you mean by that if you just don't like the clothes they're wearing what well, and good but at the same time if someone is wearing something revealing it doesn't mean that that means the other person uh, be that male or female can do what they want to that person or make you know sexual advances to that person just because they're revealing or wearing revealing clothing uh, you know that doesn't make a difference no one has a right to harm somebody uh, in any way possible or as Mary has pointed out people being raped after drink which certainly should not be happening so I don't know exactly what you. I presume you just mean about the clothes that you don't like the clothes they wear these days. Uh, I, I hope you don't mean that, you know, that anything else that it would lead to what we were discussing. Anyhow, that's Michael's uh, text into us. Susan, uh, on the other hand, Susan says, Hi, JP. I had my drink spiked a few years ago and had a very bad fall as a result, a fall on my shoulder and still... It's at me. To this day, I have to get pain injections all the time now, and that's coming in from Susan. Susan, thanks for your text, and that's just awful to think that you, you know, you still have to get those injections for pain relief because of that fall, uh, and not not easy to be in and out for those. Uh, we remind yourself, Susan, with that, but awful to think that as a result, what has happened in your life uh, following that. And here's a, a text and a WhatsApp in from Miriam. And this is an example of what can happen uh, on a night out with regards to spiking. And I suppose the main reason we're, we're discussing this is to raise awareness of it. And if you do go out, whatever age group you are, to be careful, but also for parents listening and for grandparents listening, uh, just to be mindful and pass the knowledge on to those who may be just at the starting cottage because they're aiming at, at that age group who are maybe green to going out who are maybe from a, a county area a rural area a, a first time heading out to the city areas first time you know going into a student life in a nightclub for the first years and second years and especially because of things being closed over the last two years it's a, it's a whole new experience but there is people lurking out there in the dark corners of the nightclubs pouncing on these people unfortunately as they see Uh, that it's a new experience for them well here's something that happened to Miriam uh, and thank you by the way for those who are uh, texting in their stories of having their drinks spiked it just raises awareness of this and I know it's not easy to do it but uh, Miriam says on a night out about nearly 10 years ago this was myself and my friends were all out enjoying a night and one of my friends drink was spiked Little did we know though, both of our our drinks were spiked. Uh, Here's the story. I was drinking vodka. My friend got me the wrong drink and I don't like vodka. So I sipped away for a while. We were all chatting away as you do on a night out and enjoying ourselves. And then we realised our housemate. Because at that time, before I got married, Miriam, I was house sharing. And we saw our housemate at the other side of the bar. So we waved at him and he came over. And I just simply said, do you want to finish this drink. I have had enough, you know I don't like vodka. And he goes, yeah drank it and both of us were totally unaware of what was going on. So then later, about maybe 30 minutes later, we went to dance floor and boogie away says Miriam. And then however, my female friend got what I thought was very drunk, very fast. And later then uh, we kind of realised that something was up and that maybe her drink was spiked. Then it unfolded as we were walking through the bar my housemate more or less was nearly passed out near a lounge area which is totally unlike them it was at that point that the bouncer came over to us as we were trying to see could we revive him and the bouncer then had realised What had happened when we explained the story to him? I must say the late night bar staff were excellent in this situation and I could not praise them so, so much. They brought us to an office within the bar and we tried to get our friend around. Eventually they got us taxis to get home safely. They even offered us a lift if we could not get a taxi, but we did. The taxi driver was extremely uh, fantastic and we walked in to our home and the taxi driver nearly more or less was carrying our housemate in At this stage, JP, we're all in our early 30s, so we're not that young either, uh, says Miriam. Uh, But at the same time, we were thankful to the staff, both the taxi driver, both the night staff, because our friend woke up the next day, worse for wear over having the drink spiked. But what would have happened only for the intervention of this? But worse still, says Miriam, and not taken away from what happened to her friends, but what if herself and her other female friends uh, were just left there lying now again the night staff would have looked after them But uh, by the story but the, the spiking of the drink was aimed for your female friend Miriam and yourself so you, you were lucky in a way that you know the, the bar staff there recognised what had happened and they acted on that uh, but as you say it was meant for both of you and you handed over your drink to somebody else unaware that it was spiked and that was the consequences anyway glad to hear uh, that it turned out okay in the end nothing harmful happened to your friends and your housemate um, but it just shows what can happen on a night out and I mean you know as Miriam says I handed over the drink thinking it was you know there you go have my drink I don't like vodka next thing her, her housemate uh, was spiked uh, so and it shows also males can be affected. I mean sometimes people just uh, think of spiking drinks for females I know that was unintentional but males can also be affected when it comes to the spiking of drinks. Anyhow Miriam thank you for your WhatsApp on that and sharing your story uh, to 0862 103, 103 and now we discussed this on the show yesterday regarding Sound to Talk and how GPs are worried about the shortage of doctors right across the country and the effects that is happening well last night they discussed that on primetime also on RTE television uh, Michael Sullivan in Castletown Bear was watching this and he says JP, Dr Fiona Kelly put it very equitably on the uh, primetime show last night when she was raising the situation about the shortage of GPs she absolutely abandoned uh, by the health services how she put it and that the health service has abandoned places like the Bera Peninsula Now, trying to push uh, the international best practice in there is not best practice by a long shot. Dr. Kelly said the last two consecutive week holidays she had was in 2009, which is absolutely shocking. Show me someone today of the HSE's top brass who hasn't had two weeks consecutive holidays since 2009. The mind boggles. No GP should be treated like this. I hope the people of Beira do realise how lucky we are to have such a strong, young, committed doctor like Dr. Kelly in our midst God bless her in our and also we should be very thankful to have the semi retired Dr Colin Gleeson temporarily assisting her also we immensely owe them our sincere thanks here in Beira because waiting for an ambulance in the Beira Peninsula or any peninsula especially in islands is both a patient and a doctor's nightmare as well as other factors. Currently we have an air ambulance sitting on the helicopter pad above in Rathcool which is not allowed to fly by night even though it is fully equipped to do so. Why, why, why? Michael asks. It's not as important to save lives by night as it is by day. It just beggars believe. However, we have no problem in sending the Sikorsky helicopter 200 miles out to sea in the middle of the night to rescue a casualty in storm force conditions, and yet we have the air ambulance sitting on a pad that won't be left down to the peninsulas or anywhere else overnight. The practice has to change, and change sooner rather than later. And Michael goes on to say, JP14 GPs qualified with Dr Fiona Kelly in 2009 and today, less than half of them are working in a practice in Ireland they have gone abroad to better pastures and who would blame them GPs are leaving the country in their droves Uh, says Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear on WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 it is a big worry and that's why GPs are looking at South Dock and looking at how they can reduce the services there uh, you know, maybe one service in a certain area because there isn't enough GPS to go around. And if they continue with having all these branches, it could have a situation whereby they simply won't have uh, the GPS to operate out of those branches. And they outlined that they, you know, that it would affect areas like Beira and areas of North Cork. And I know we we could not have a GP to join us. The simple fact was they were all too busy. And and while they gave us quotes of what was happening and uh, they gave newspaper quotes as well, they're simply so busy they don't have the time. And maybe that's one of the reasons then... Uh, why we don't hear enough? Of what is happening on the ground within uh, the GP sector? Anyhow, Michael, thank you for raising that uh, onto us on WhatsApp. On antisocial behaviour, we heard what is happening with the trains and uh, train staff and rail staff are going to well, they're going to propose anyway to go on strike because of the antisocial ha- behaviour there. Could be coming uh, are coming across on trains. I mean, we heard the stories there from the start of the show. Uh, from the uh, Cork to Mallow, Mallow to Tralee train and the train in Wexford, the what the staff have to uh, put up with and deal with and this probably on a, a daily basis and there maybe were more extreme cases but still no one should have to go to work and deal with that. Uh, on this, a listener in Formoy says, anti-social behaviour is just happening all the time. Myself and my family are dealing with this for the last 12 years and we have gone to so many like the council, like the Garda, and like others but no one can do anything to help us. We're at our wits ends and it seems like it continues to go on and go on but there's no solution. Uh, While Dhoni is in Newmarket, he says in England they have transport police; They are fully trains police but here the security are the only civilians doing security and they have no power to, to carry out their duties on the trains or indeed the Lewis in Dublin, which can be awful at times. Um If you ever happen to be in Dublin on the Lewis and the Red Line in particular, I mean, and you can see anything on that uh, tram service. But, and they have security, as Donnie says, they do have security on on the Lewis. Anyhow, I've never seen really security on the uh, train services, but on the Lewis I have. Uh, and you're, you're right, Donnie. I mean, they are security; they are civilians. But is it time to have uh, fully trained police? Um, But then if we can't get Garaday as it is, uh, how are we going to manage that and get transport police? Tony, thank you for your call on that. It is uh, worthwhile uh, for those in the transport industry to look into that. Can we go like the UK or like England are doing and bring in transport police? Things have gone so bad. And on dog fouling, uh, which we discussed, and could Formoy be the first here in Cork to pilot the DNA testing of dogs to deal with and combat the problem of dog fouling? Well, Martin is in Formoy. He says the guards and the council should get a lot tougher with, first of all, antisocial behaviour. And on dog fouling, the dog owners, the dogs that is, first of all, the owners of the dog, should be taken off them. So uh, if the dog is caught, basically, after, you know, fouling a number of times, then take the dog off the owners. That could be a solution. Might teach them. Martin in for my, on text on that. While well, another texter says, while we were talking about the DNA from dogs in Fermoy, what bull For Moy would want to spend money on something the town really needs? Like a driving test centre which would come in handy as people have to travel to Mallow or Clonmel or Cork to take lessons and take the driving test. Take more driving instructors as well. For Moy have the roads and roundabouts to do it. This town is getting worse uh, feels that text and a listener in Kinsale, when we're speaking about those who let their dogs fall and uh, let that carry on happen, uh, this uh, Kinsale listener is saying, I wonder how many dog owners have a license in this country? How many do physically have a license and pay for it? Uh, thank you for your text. And I mentioned uh, property tax briefly at the start of the show. A lot of confusion about the local property tax. We will be discussing that on Tuesday's programme. Uh, somebody from Revenue will uh, re- explain again how it all works out. But Thomas in Rathcormark, he feels that pensioners should not have to pay the property tax And when it was first introduced. They promise it would not go up. And now it is going up and up like everything. Uh, Tom, unfortunately, that does what happens, doesn't it? When they uh, bring in a tax, they promise everything, but the opposite happens. Uh, thank you for your texts and calls. Uh, keep them coming. And your Halloween story as well Uh, let them um, come in to us Uh, we'll be interested to see if you do believe in ghosts and uh, did you ever work or live in what you thought was a haunted house we'll be uh, talking all about Halloween uh, shortly as well on the programme but on the way next we'll be discussing the problem of scam calls, texts and cyber attacks what can actually be done about the whole situation we'll be speaking with Councillor Seamus McGrath who raised that issue at Cork County Council and what can be done when it comes to the Justice Minister the Garda Commissioner and phone companies too C103 Jobs and we have opportunities for a caretaker wanted for maintenance of pitches and clubhouses in Blarney, Whitechurch, Grenade and Ciculley you can call 021 384 444 for further details KPH Construction are looking for pipe layers near the Blarney side of Cork City, contact James on 087-655-1111 and Kevin O'Leary, Centre and Bandon are looking for an experienced Delhi assistant for a full-time position. Send your CV to HR at KevinO'Leary.ie. You'll get these jobs and more. Go online to our website C103.ie forward slash job.
2: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are
1: currently closed.
0: Cork today on C 103 Call Patricia with your
1: comment 1850-333-103 Cork County Council is calling on the Minister for Justice and the Garda Commissioner to do more to tackle the issue of cybercrime and indeed phone scams and scammers are on the increase and their presence certainly increasing over the last number of months Well Councillor Seamus McGrath has raised this issue and he joins me Good morning to you Seamus Good
6: morning John Paul
1: It's that
0: time of the year
1: All aware, Seamus, of these scam calls, I mean, I think everybody has got one over the last number of years, if not (laughs) over the last number of months. We do need further discussion on this because as everybody is trying to do something, we're all getting answers, but nothing is getting done.
6: Yeah, look, I think it's something that um, isn't discussed enough, hasn't been highlighted enough. Um, I think it has become quite widespread. Um, You mentioned phone calls in your intro, but it's across a whole host of um, forum for example social media people receiving text messages um, emails um, and, and all other types of technological interactions I suppose that we have um, and I think it is having a direct impact on people's quality of life at this stage because it's almost a daily occurrence um, and like we would have spoken at length in the past about people living in fear from things like burglaries, robberies and so on. But I genuinely believe this type of cybercrime, these type of phone scams, uh, these attempts to, get, to, to defraud people um, is having a very direct impact on people's quality of lives. And there are people fearful of it because many people rely on their telephone, they rely on on you know contact with others through technology, whether it's email or text or whatever. And it's got to the point now where you're judging messages that you receive and you're wondering are they legitimate are they are they correct um, you're you're doubting yourself you know you you're uncertain as to whether you should reply or not um and that's that's a very serious issue and I think you know there has to be a collective effort to try and address this and not for a second do I believe this should fall just on on the Irish authorities, whether it be the Garda economy or or um Part of government this has to be an international effort this has to be an effort akin to the climate challenge I would say because this is this doesn't respect borders and um, this this crosses um all borders and it's something that is having a genuine impact on people so I think it needs to be discussed more it needs to be highlighted more um I put the motion down at the County Council meeting earlier this week. Uh, It generated a huge debate among my colleagues because I think they all have had experiences of constituents in touch with them about this issue. Um, And I just felt it was something that had to be aired. And we we agreed to write to the Garda Commissioner and to the Minister for Justice about this issue, asking that they would step up efforts with international partners to try and address this. So uh, I, I suppose I use the analogy with the climate challenge. That is an international challenge. It's a worldwide challenge. We hear a lot about the COP meeting taking place in Glasgow in the coming days. I, I genuinely believe there has to be something similar done for the whole area of cybercrime, and I include in that phone scams, text scams, email, social media hacking, and so on.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned there about the Garda Commissioner and the Minister for Justice. Do we need to also tackle the phone and broadband companies? I mean, they need to play a part when it comes to the SMS. That's the, as yeah. we would say, the old tech service outside of WhatsApp now and, and every other messenger that is out there that uses the data and online, uh, the, the, the basic SMS. I mean, I was listening to uh, Adrian Reckler. He's a technology correspondent. He was saying uh, that that service, will basically disappear slowly over the next 10 years because of all these scam techs. And what could stop this from happening is phone companies working with each other. But he could not see a case where you could have you know, two major phone companies working with each other when it comes to something like this. So do we do need to tackle the, the, the big companies as yeah. well?
6: No, you're 100% right. And I made that point earlier in the week um, during the debate. This, this isn't just an issue for state agencies private business, tech companies have a huge responsibility here. They have to put resources into this issue. Um, It's not good enough that they are allowing this type of activity to carry on without recourse. And, you know, we've seen in the news Facebook recently and a whistleblower former employee and so on, you know, coming out in relation to some of their practices. I really think uh, the large companies, you know, have a huge obligation to put resources in here because, I suppose the criminals are becoming more sophisticated. They're changing their habits all the time. They're changing their practices. I mean, we're all familiar now with the text going around saying there's a package away, you know, your package delivery, etc. Um, And if someone had just ordered something online, they would very easily assume that was a legitimate text. But, of course, it's not, and um, many of us have received that text, for example, but they are changing constantly, and, you know, not so long ago, you get one of these calls, there'd be, you know, long digits in it, and you'd know straight away that there was something up, but now they're using national numbers to ring people. They're using local numbers to ring people. They're using mobile numbers to ring people. Um, so it's it's really changing all the time. It's becoming more sophisticated, um, and I don't think the efforts to combat it are responding in the way they should be Mm. Um, and that's the point i'm making we have to highlight this because it isn't good enough to have vulnerable people living in fear. they rely on you know communication with people they rely on text messaging they rely on their phones they rely on emails you know to to touch base with people Um, and i suppose the other side of it is emails coming in purporting to be from you know revenue purporting to be from a bank etc looking for details you know if you're not anyone can get caught by these don't 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 misunderstand me, but if you're not very technologically savvy, etc., it's so easy, it's so easy to be lured into one of these scams. And um, we all question ourselves. I do it myself every day. You know, is this legitimate? Is this okay? Um, You get missed calls. There's no message. Do you return that call? You know, there's all these kind of judgments have to be made nowadays where we didn't have to make those judgments before. Um, And it's having a direct impact on people's quality of life, and there needs to be more done to combat it. And you're absolutely right. Private business... Um, telecom- telecommunications companies Um, social media companies they all have a huge role to play here
1: And I know some of those telecommunication companies have in fairness trying to block numbers coming into this country because we uh, had discussed with them about a year ago but as you say they they use so many different numbers they could have a a seven digit number they change one at the end and the original block number that could end in 01 now ends in 02 and that gets through so it was nearly impossible to do that I mean when you were discussing this I suppose the big thing here is people as as you say they're afraid to answer the phone now before it was answering the door now it's the phone I mean you're trying to track down who was behind this and it's big uh, companies and, and fraudsters running these and they have huge call centres across the world and I know we spoke uh, with Gardaí on this before and they said they could make 10,000 calls a day or issue 10,000 texts a day or, or emails or on social media scams as well and if they catch five people they make their money. Uh, is there a way, do you think, when you're, you're dealing with and the councillor putting submissions to the justice minister and the Gardaí of tracking down where these organisations are first of all but who is behind these?
6: Look, I think it's an enormous challenge, and I suppose that is why I make the point, you know, I make the comparison to the climate um, challenge. Mm. This is international. Uh, You know, we hear a lot about the COVID-19 pandemic. A pandemic is something that doesn't respect borders. It travels across countries and across continents, and this is something akin to that. This does not respect oceans or borders, um, and that is why it has to be an international effort and something along the lines that's happening at, co- in, in, at the COP meeting in the coming days in Glasgow has to happen on this issue of cybercrime and, and, and fraudulent texts and phone calls, emails and scams. Um, and, and that hasn't happened to date that I'm aware of. I mean, certainly the European Union is making an effort. Individual countries are making an effort. There is cooperation. I'm not saying there isn't, but efforts need to be stepped up. And um, they really, really do. And I suppose the last thing I want John Paul out of you know the discussion we had earlier in the week or the discussion here is being still more fear in people you know we have to get on, get on with our daily lives we have to use technology there are many positives to technology there are many positives to social media and the various ways we can interact now and, and that's all great but unfortunately there is also a dark side and it's just reminding people again to be cautious to be careful you know just to try and you know exercise judgment it's not easy as i said earlier any of us could be caught in these scams any of us because they have become so sophisticated but you know i suppose we all just have to think about uh, calls we respond to or messages we respond to or just how we interact and um, but the last thing i want to do is instill more fear because the whole purpose of raising the issue was to try and address that issue of you know recognizing now that this is a global pandemic Uh, This issue is a global pandemic and we have to address it and I just don't feel it has got the recognition internationally or nationally that it deserves
1: and you mentioned the scare tactics there I mean we have spoken to people uh, one recently uh, in East Cork whereby they, they were unfortunately scammed out of what was in their bank accounts and other people have suffered similar over the last three to four years and how they themselves have ended up uh, going to a doctor just yeah. due to the stress of this and that's the last thing we need to happen to more and more people uh, yeah. we'll wait and see what comes back uh, yeah.
6: my, my fine point like they wouldn't be doing this unless they were having success you well know? that's the Thing. They are having success and I, I actually believe it's probably underreported because people are embarrassed and people are genuinely you know, saying, oh God, I fell for that or whatever. But nobody should be embarrassed because I, I repeat, anyone could fall for these camps. Mm-hmm. They have become so sophisticated and the way they lower you in. Uh, but it is important that they're reported because the true facts and the true you know the true level of activity that is going on out there does need to be recognised and that's the only way we're going to get the proper response to deal with this
1: Okay but well, we'll wait and see what uh, local authorities uh, going to the likes of the Justice Minister and Guarded Commissioner if they can take that further for the moment Seamus thanks for raising it this morning on the programme uh, that is Councillor Seamus McGrath and I'm sure many of you have received those type of calls and still are receiving those by calls texts emails social media whatever uh, your views are well 1850 or text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Record
0: today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103.
1: Now, if you ever wondered about the trick-or-treat or the sweet customs around now a very commercialised Halloween, a lot of these came from Ireland going back to the celebration of someone. Well, Marguerite McQuaid joins me from the Taste of Bandon ahead of their Banshee Festival to talk about some of those traditions around Halloween a very good morning to you Marguerite Good
4: morning.
1: How are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. I suppose this was an old Celtic tradition where uh, many believe that this time of the year the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred, and many say uh, this is where the fairies have originated from. Uh, I mean, it's something that came from uh, pre Christian times, but now it's gone so commercialized the whole world uh, celebrates Halloween. Uh, and, and there's a lot of origins, as they mentioned, and a lot of traditions that we always do, uh, and we don't Realise that they're come from Old Ireland,
4: yeah, totally, yeah, um, I mean, I think we've exported Halloween or sowing, um, and it's been sold back to us as a processed food. Um and, and yet if we can just dig a bit deeper a bit deeper, you know, we can reconnect with what the actual meaning of it is, which is the, cha- the end of summer, the change of the seasons, which is such a magical time, you know. Um even as a child I was always so aware of just
2: the
1: Oh, we have just lost uh Marguerite there, so I think we'll just it seems like she's put me on hold in her phone we might ring her back there Bernie (laughs) I think that's what she has done Uh, she was just about to go in to tell why indeed we are gone so commercial well not us really it started from the American side of things but we are following on uh, from America if you look at the decorations now you see around the place uh, and they even have I've noticed on doors of houses over the last few days do you know we'd have a Christmas reed they now have Halloween reeds and they had the sparkly uh, reed around the door but it is for Halloween they're Kind of, uh, kind of goldy in colour. Anyhow, uh, let's go back to Marguerite. Marguerite, you were explaining there on, on how maybe the Americans have made this commercialised, and that's now here coming to Ireland.
4: Yes, yes. Um, one of our we have a big storytelling event tomorrow evening, and uh, the bianity uh, Maria Gillen, the Cork storyteller, um, talks about how modern uh, drama like soap operas is like uh, processed stories. And how we 've lost connection with the medicine of stories, and I suppose what we are thinking that taste abandon is about reconnecting with the the nature inspired elements of of Halloween, because that 's exactly what's happened there in that we're now exposed, um, an American notion of Halloween, and yet it 's such a rich uh, festival in itself um, if we learn to explore it ourselves.
1: Yeah, totally. And just tell me a bit, because I know there's a lot happening within the festival there uh, over the next few days. But the Puka is one of the things you you have mentioned within the festival. What is the Puka?
4: The Puka was a sh- or is a shape shifting, uh, mischievous fairy. Um, and uh, traditionally, people would leave a, a corner or a corner.
1: Oh, it's gone again for some reason, not too sure. We'll- We'll give her one more. Hello, hi, Margaret. You just disappeared there again in us. Yeah.
3: Um.
4: uh, Sorry. The Puka share was um, about leaving a a corner of the field unplowed for the Puka, so that he wouldn't play any tricks on them. And um, we have decided that this year we would try and reinterpret that. As um, at the Puka Share, going for a local charity, which is the Jack and Friends Foundation. Um, and it's a really brilliant charity, and we're really looking forward. To, I think people will really get into the spirit of it. Um, they're a really hard working charity, which provide a great service to the town.
1: Yeah, they do and, and they provide that on a voluntary basis, Jack and Friends Centre. Yeah, uh, and not only for yeah, yeah, totally not only for Bandon though. I, I know people from all over the county that do travel to Bandon to avail of this centre. So uh, a lot of what is going on this weekend will be supporting them and funds going to yeah, support the Jack all and Friends Centre.
4: All the workshops will be um, the, the funds will go towards the, the charity, and we have um, the Perfect Burger putting on a Banshee Burger Box, mm. and all, all the funds for that will go towards it. So we're we're hoping we'll raise we'll raise enough funds that they'll be able to buy a few of the assistive technology units for their clients.
1: Excellent and and as you mentioned there with funds going there's so much happening uh, and and with the the funds going to a good cause one of those things that is happening and you've workshops like A is for Apple and we all remember the game Snap Apple from from Halloween many years ago. Uh, Did you play that yourself Marguerite? (laughs)
4: And um, we played treacle apples in Scotland. Oh. Um, uh, you had to get really messy to do it. Um, and I remember we used to hang the apples off the pulley, you know, the clothes drying pulley. And um, not not an easy thing to um, to get uh, a bite of an apple with with uh, <laughs> your blindfolded. But um, children now think it's too messy
1: <laughs> or too dangerous with blindfolded. You could lose a few teeth there, Margaret, doing that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but I used to love the ducking for apples. I think that's that, I think
1: that's great fun. Yeah, in in the bowl of water is it, and you're putting your yeah. head in trying. To, yeah. yeah, yeah. There and was there a, a few at va- the
4: bottom.
1: Yeah, that's it. A few variations of that as well. With the um, wasn't there conquerors or some people who put nuts as well into a bowl of water and, and try and do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of variations there, and the other thing I suppose, and I know that, that this goes into your festival as well, but you're touching it there with the puka. Uh, the barnbrack uh, is a huge association with this time of the year, and the ring in the barnbrack.
4: Yes, yeah. I think traditionally there's five or six um, uh, items. There's the pea for somebody who won't marry that year, a stick or a match for someone who'd have an unhappy marriage, <laughs> a piece of cloth was um, for poverty, and um, the ring you'd be wed within the year. And that that seemed to be the, the aim for everyone in those days. Um, and I think the P, or the bean was poverty. Yeah, yeah. You you wouldn't um, you wouldn't be rolling in it.
1: All oh, right okay
4: um, but yes in in the country market we're we're uh, our third old baker is making a giant barn brag, and we're giving out uh, portions of that
1: and one lucky person will get the ring and we'll get a 50 euro voucher for the market Oh wonder who'll get the ring in that so the joint Bar and Brack that's on uh, tomorrow isn't it that's happening in the country market in Bandon so watch out for that uh, joint Bar and Brack and also I know you mentioned there about various events so one event that that is uh, interesting uh, and I'm sure will attract a lot of attention to uh, is the fire show that's going on in the shambles on Saturday. it looks amazing uh, any of those fire shows that people are, are familiar with them
4: Yeah, yeah. You see, the thing is about Halloween is about the the closing of summer and um, the lighting of the fire for winter. So um, we have Alchemy Arts, who um, he's going to do a number of different acts around town on stilts and on on unicycle. And uh, to finish, we'll be doing a banshee walk um, uh, from Howard's Court up to the Shambles for the fire show at six. So that would be spectacular and it's quite symbolic because I think, I think rituals are actually quite, are important and I think we've kind of lost touch with with a lot of them um, and and yet we know uh, being able to reflect and, you know, come into ourselves as, as winter encourages us to do is actually a really important part of life, you know. It's not all about action and Facebook and messaging and busyness, you know. It's about reflection too.
1: Yeah, totally. And going back to what our ancestors used to do, I suppose, many, many years ago. And I mean, you touched on it there, you say being on the phone and looking at screens and the commercialisation of Halloween over the last few years. But going back to what we're talking about here and what would have been done, yeah, it is all about reflection at this time of the year. Uh, can I wish you the very best of luck with the Banshee Festival. So the Family fun is going ahead in Bandon until the 31st of October. That's Sunday. There's a lot happening. And indeed, check out those workshops, as you mentioned, Marguerite, all in aid of a great oh, cause. Thanks. It's for the hard. Jack and Friends Center when
4: the problems on the
1: phone uh, and no don't worry phone <laughs> problems puka. do that it's puka. <laughs> it is it's the puka the puka's watching out for you he's not letting you chat about or revealing who he is or she is even we'll have to wait and see the fairies playing up uh, Marguerite thank you very much thank you and you enjoy your all. weekend there Marguerite thank McCoy you. there uh, from the Banshee Festival part of a taste of Bandon and if you want more information as I said a lot of the uh, are going towards the various charities and Jack and friends uh, centre in Bandon but if you want more information check out their website a taste of ie and what are your uh, favourite traditions we mentioned a few of them there the puka the fairies which were playing up with her phone uh, do you know about those are you familiar with the puka let us know your memories of Halloween as I mentioned there what's happening with the Banshee Festival as we mentioned earlier on in the week if you're in and around Lep the Scarecrow Festival and Lep is getting huge attraction again this year and well done to what involved in the Scarecrow Festival in Lep and for Moyes Main Street is being transformed into a pumpkin Alley this weekend yes their installation is being carried out by the Fermoy Street Art and it's a community organisation it's run by local artists in the area and the project will see Patrick Street in Fermoy transformed into a spooky wonderland with the help of local children and adults you're all invited to go along there to Fermoy if you want to check out the Pumpkin Alley on Patrick Street that's going ahead tomorrow between 3 o'clock and 8 o'clock so best of luck to all there as well in Fermoy your viewers are welcome uh, comments to Bernie 1850-333-103, or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103, and a lot of comments in on various issues we'll be discussing this morning. Uh, first of all, this is a text in from John, and I know on our news service earlier, uh, and indeed they were at midday with Barry uh, discussing uh, the rising numbers of COVID. Well, John uh, says regarding vaccines, he says anyone in New Zealand who isn't vaccinated and they're on social welfare. They're their dole is cut off. John says, isn't it a great idea for us here in Ireland? Says John on text to 862 103, 103. Now, maybe it is. I just couldn't, in that short space of time, I could not see um, or find information about New Zealand there. Uh, but I did find that Austria are to cut unemployment pay to those who refuse the COVID vaccine, that jobless benefits will be blocked if people refuse uh, employment on the grounds that vaccination is required so that's a story uh, that you're speaking about John that is happening in Austria anyhow Uh, maybe it's happening in New Zealand as well I just in in the short space that I saw the text I haven't been able to find exact uh, wording from New Zealand but certainly in Austria they are looking at that Uh, will they do that here I mean at the end of the day uh, regardless what people think um, of the vaccines or not and we've had vaccines in this country for in the world for a very very long time it is the person's choice if they want the vaccine or if they do not want the vaccine so uh, I, I don't see we'd implement something like that here in this country anyhow uh, regarding that uh, but uh, people's views are welcome if you agree with John on that and on other uh, topics we were discussing this morning and first of all this is on the Aramblans and uh, Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear once stopped in earlier on and he was one of we were discussing yesterday about the shortage of GPs he was discussing also last night on primetime uh, had a piece on about that and Dr Fiona Kelly was speaking on that service and she's a doctor based in Beira and he was just overall talking about the health service and he felt that it would be great if the air ambulance was allowed to fly at night and then you know it would be able to have relief for certain areas in the peninsulas and that was Michael making that comment because because a number of people have been on to us in the last uh, hour or so uh, not happy with that. Um, First of all, Uh, This texter here says the Air Ambulance not running at night that Air Ambulance is a completely privately run charity ambulance absolutely not offered or funded by the state maybe pick on the state for not having an Air Ambulance to serve the peninsulas or anywhere else rather than having a go at a charity doing a lot better than the government that Air Ambulance is worth gold says that texter and and I don't think Michael was having a go at the Air Ambulance I think he was just stating that it would be great if it was able to fly at night Uh, certainly Michael was actually one of the ones at the very start I know there's been a lot of changes there within the ambulance service in Rothcool, and there's different people involved now when it comes to fundraising and there's been a number of different personnel there since they opened up but at the very very start when they did open up in Rothcool, Michael was involved with the ambulance, so he certainly would not be against it but um, I don't know if Michael is still involved or not, but I know at the start he was highly involved in getting it up and running. Uh, and there has been changes there. I'm well aware of that. Uh, but he certainly, I would say, was not against it, but just making the point that it would be great if it was. Uh, up and running at night uh, and uh, certainly Michael wasn't having a go if it came across that way it wasn't certainly he was not because he was involved with that another text here is saying uh, the air ambulance can't fly at night they are not equipped with night vision safety first for the three lives on board to save one uh, so there we go that's more of an answer to the question of why it can't uh, they're not equipped with night vision so that answers that and thank you uh, for your WhatsApp on that 103 we spoke about the issue of DNA for dogs that would combat dog fouling and hopefully a pilot to go ahead in the Fermoy area well on that a texter saying I'm absolutely saddened to listen to you and that lady in my opinion the cruelty issues in Cork County should be first priority I know the poo is a problem as I'm often cleaning it outside my gate but please please cruelty is more important do something about this for the poor animals says that WhatsApp. and yeah there, it is a huge problem Across the county, and you would wonder why someone would be so cruel to an animal, but uh, unfortunately, they are, and it is, and it's something that many charities and many uh, in the, the Guard even are trying to always combat, along with those that do great work within the ISPCA. And how many court cases do we hear of whereby inspectors of the ISPCA have to go to court uh, and deal with those situations within a court basis that, you know, it, it, those that own the animals, it goes that far? And that it has to go to a court situation. But anyhow, thank you uh, for your WhatsApp. And we spoke earlier about the issue of drinks being spiked when we were discussing this with Mary Crilly from the Cork Sexual Violence Centre. And I thank a lot of people who share their stories about themselves having their drinks spiked uh, earlier on uh, on the show. Uh, and one texter, Michael, felt, well, in his opinion, he wasn't happy with uh, certain clothing uh, that uh, girls wear. Uh, and this is to, to him from Tom and from I. Tom says that comment from Michael. He says, everyone is entitled to wear whatever they want. You should just feel comfortable with what you are wearing. And I mean that we made that point earlier it shouldn't make a difference what somebody's wearing if you don't like what they're wearing or what the dress code is these days fine but it shouldn't lead to someone having their drink spiked or as Mary was saying it shouldn't lead to something worse like rape just because of what someone's wearing that is wrong Let's going back to the whole victim blaming in society again uh, but Tom thank you for your comments on that and Mike making a good point there and this is going on Miriam's story when herself and her friend were out uh, she told us on and uh, Miriam basically the drink she was drinking, she didn't want it, didn't like it and passed it over to her housemate who they realised was in the bar as well. Now this is 10 years ago and he drank it and her friend was female, housemate male and basically both the drinks were spiked that were meant for Miriam and her friend. But because Miriam gave her drink uh, to her housemate, but he was spiked in the end along with her other female friends and it just showed the consequences of that when She knew something was up with her friends, could not figure out what it was Uh, and then shortly afterwards when they saw the housemate more or less, you know, out cold in the bar, Uh, then they realised well the bouncers in fairness and those working in the bar were fantastic she said and they realised what had happened and they all got home safely in the inns, but it just showed how easily something like this could happen and how maybe a drink that was not meant for somebody else to be spiked ended up getting spiked. Anyhow, Mike and Bantry says, "Uh, Hi John Paul, I think that we have to look after our children who are going out uh, be that into a town or a busy city or they're going to a bus station or they're going to bars or train stations or wherever. There are predators around and we can't be too careful, says Mike in Bantry on text 0862 103, 103. We also discussed the issue then of scams and Cork County the Council, they want the Minister for Justice and the Garda Commissioner to get tough when it comes to scam calls and indeed text and cyber attacks and uh, while we were discussing this earlier and people were sharing uh, their views on this, uh, column uh, is in Buttevant and Colum feels Uh, that the councillor we spoke to, councillor Seamus McGrath, that he blamed everyone except the victim. Column feels that the victims should know better than to get cons. Well, I suppose the main thing is to raise awareness so that people who do click on a link or receive a phone call, not the phone calls, people are are less likely to get caught these days on the phone calls. It's the links. The links look so real and the text messages that would come in if you get a text from Bank of Ireland and then you'll get a scam text, but it's coming in on the same text thread saying from Bank of Ireland and the genuine text is above the false text, that's how people are getting conned so I think it's to raise awareness and uh, as the Gardaí have said and as uh, the councillor Seamus McGrath has said, it's easily for people to get conned and you know you shouldn't be ashamed of it but I think it's to raise awareness uh, more than anything and yeah, you, I mean people that get conned do blame themselves but it's it's just to raise awareness that people don't get conned out on this because you know if you're if you think something is genuine and maybe you're not up to speed on what's happening or you having. In a busy day and you click on this I mean anybody could really get so it's just to raise awareness more than I suppose the blame game as well on that front and when we come to social dancing a lot of people on again today we had this discussion yesterday it was Mike I think in uh, Skipperine was asking about social dancing he felt it was being cancelled in a number of places and it is and a lot of those places that are and we spoke to them a lot of those would be uh, places whereby there's a bar attached to this place or a hotel and they feel at the moment it's just not safe for them to proceed with this but there is social dancing taking place in other areas um, and I know John has been on asking well what is a situation as nightclubs are opening and you must get tickets for nightclubs why can't social dancing go ahead and as I say not everywhere is it feels it's safe to open up and provide social dancing and this more or less is those again who maybe have a hotel and they ruin it in a hotel or a bar but there are places for example uh, we had texts yesterday and we had calls from Ballan Hasick there's social dancing going on in Ballon Hasek uh, this uh, I think it's a Sunday or is it Friday maybe it's Friday uh, anyhow maybe it's tonight. But well, Nonetheless, there is, uh, oh, it's actually next Friday night, Friday night week, so the 5th of November in the Bananhasic Community Development um, they are holding their own social dancing back again in the Marion Hall in Bananhasic and that's on the 5th of November and then a text in here to say that T.O. Park, that is taking place now they're taking place on Sunday, November the 7th, not this coming Sunday but Sunday November the 7th, there is outdoor dancing and people can go along and music is by Michael Sexton and it's outdoor in the very comfortable arena they have outdoor that's in Teo Park and uh, I said Bannon Hasek they're also Knocknagree have outdoor dancing as well so there is certainly social dancing in various parts of the county but maybe those who were indoor uh, in in hotels and bars they don't seem to be doing it at the moment anyhow but outside the, the, there is and certainly in community halls uh, they are running those as well and thank you for your calls on that to 1850 333103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 103. The
0: C103 Cork Diary with Cork County
2: Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county see corkcoco.ie
1: and the Mallow Arts Festival, that does continue up until Sunday with a lot of events scheduled over the weekends including crafts, arts and photography, exhibitions, poetry, concerts, busking competitions and lots more. You can follow them on social media at Mallow Arts Fest for full details. And Mallow GAA Bingo is starting back this Friday night, that's tonight at 8.15. Covid certs must be shown on entry. A bus will run from the usual route from Mallow, Kilavullen and Donorell. And driving Bingo in the Hotel Car Park in Castle Bear that will take place this evening from 7 30. The jackpot is 1,500 euro. And Kildallery's driving bingo goes ahead this evening also at 8 o'clock in the Creamery Yard. And Donnerill Active Retirement Group, they will meet in the Presentation Pastoral Centre. That's on Monday evening, at, or Monday afternoon even, at 3 o'clock. Record today on C 103.
0: Call Patricia with your comment
1: 1850 333 103. And earlier, John was looking looking towards New Zealand and Austria whereby he said in those countries they are not paying people social welfare if they are unvaccinated well a lot of people are not happy with that and it is by choice and the girls in Mallow say no way that is not right they should not be doing that in other countries or anywhere uh, so they respond to John by saying John if they had small children uh, then where will they get the money from that is not right it would be a disgrace and that's from the girls in Mallow and as regarding clothing and clothing being short and people disagreeing with Michael who takes any earlier and also Tom is uh, saying it should not matter what anybody wears on a night out or anything Well, Mary says the miniskirt came in in 1966 are the clothes any shorter now uh, says Mary so uh, not uh, again I suppose going back to the point when people are on about what people were wearing first of all it should not make a difference but uh, Mary making a very good point the miniskirt was in the 60s and they were short then so why are they comparing it to now when the miniskirt was out in the 60s but I think we're going back here uh, to the bigger issue of it should not make a difference what anybody is wearing on a night out or not no one deserves uh, to be treated like we spoke about earlier on in the programme from those uh, that were discussing the issue of spiking drinks I think that's the bigger uh, issue here Uh, no need for victim blaming it should not matter what anybody is wearing you don't deserve uh, to be treated in that way just because of the clothes you wear Uh, but thank you for your calls and comments on that anyhow a lot of emails into the show as well over the course of the last 24 hours on various issues first of all this is on the issue of the rising Covid-19 numbers Uh, and thank you to Jackie who sent this email and she says I don't know how as a country we can deal with the rising numbers of COVID-19 I hope we never go back into any of those lockdowns but I do think if people just sanitise and be responsible it will have a huge effect I was at a bar last weekend chatting to people but at every corner there was sanitiser so I used it regularly I just feel if everyone takes precautions it will make a big difference and we can get on with our lives perhaps we should always have been doing this anyhow and it would have reduced the colds and flus of the winter months says Jackie on email to Cork today at c103.ie while Kieran on email says I really do feel for the staff in bars and nightclubs to have to deal with all these changes and ticketing facilities that are being introduced tonight but what I find is there are some bars who are just going ahead as normal, with no restrictions. And what is happening is, one bar in a village is adhering to the rules... And the other isn't. So everyone just goes to the bar that is less strict. And that is the reality of the situation, uh, says Kieran. And on ghosts, and we were looking for your ghost stories over the course of the show. Uh, well, here is uh, one from Ruth who emailed us. Ruth says, I used to live while in college in a house. And this was my uncle's house. now no. It was haunted, and it was haunted seemingly, Ruth was told, by her great-granduncle. And he lived in the attic. That is, the ghost lived in the attic. No, not her her great-granduncle, but the ghost was in the attic. And she said you'd hear his footsteps sometimes at night. If you were lying in bed, you'd hear someone walking over the ceiling. Now, we got used to it. I was told he was a very nice man, so I never really minded. it, but... It did freak my friends out when they came to stay uh, says Ruth on email while Johnny on WhatsApp says I lived in a house when one night I woke up and there was a girl sitting at the end of my bed I woke up my girlfriend and while waking her up the girl walked through the door uh, his girlfriend this is Johnny's girlfriend said I was dreaming but Johnny says I wasn't there was a girl sitting at the end of my bed she was clear to see and she, uh, Johnny goes on to say there was always a spooky feeling He felt in that house But when he said that to his girlfriend She said he was dreaming And basically told him to cop on But he's convinced There was a girl sitting At the end of his bed He never got to find out Any more about the house He asked neighbours to see Was there anything happened But no one knew the history Behind that house And the house was uh, In and around the Western Road area of the city Well maybe someone listening uh, May have lived in one of those houses In and around the Western Road area And if you ever experienced A girl sitting And this was a young girl now uh, sitting at the end of a bed and then just disappearing through a wall or a door Uh, you might feel Johnny uh, make Johnny feel a bit better because he's convinced that there was something in that house and it wasn't just a dream and there was always a spooky feeling thank you for your whatsapp Johnny While Jerry says and Jerry feels very strongly about this he says there is no such thing as ghosts and that it's all sleep deprivation or stress can be a cause of it but there's nothing no such thing as ghosts anyhow thank you for your uh, texts and calls and whatsapps on ghosts and Another email in here from Amy McCarthy and this is something that is going ahead uh, this Sunday it's the Shaharla Monument Restoration and Committee, com- uh, Commemoration Committee uh, they're holding a commemoration and it's going ahead on this Sunday and it's marking the escape from Mountjoy Prison on October the 30th 1921 by May Burke and her comrades now a parade will start at Shaharla church and walk to Burke's Cross the birthplace of May Burke where a ceremony will take place a plaque then will be unveiled an oration will be given by Angela Hennessey and all the main participants in the ceremony will be female in keeping with the come on, on spirit of the time. Uh, the parade uh, that begins at one o'clock and everybody is welcome. So best of luck to everybody there with that event at the weekend. And speaking of the weekend, the clocks are going to go back this Saturday night. Yes, indeed. If you are up early on a Sunday morning or indeed if you were out on Saturday night, uh, well, you will have an extra line nonetheless. Anyhow, as the clock's Will go back this weekend. A bit of confusion over this because usually the bank holiday would coincide with the jazz festival and with the uh, clocks going back. Not this year, it didn't work out that way. Uh, but still, if you're uh, heading to bed on Saturday night, you'll have an extra hour in bed on Sunday morning. So enjoy that. The clocks going back. What's the phrase? They spring forward in the spring and they fall back in the autumn. So fall back with uh, you this weekend. So we're going to the movies. Spooky films on the way next. And uh, Mark has been checking them out. For both at the cinema and streaming. Court today on C one hundred and three.
0: Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. and three
1: one hundred and three. And very finally on a commentary. First of all, this was John who bringing the attention of a story from Austria and indeed New Zealand, whereby they are looking at taking people off the dole if they haven't been vaccinated. People angry at this, and again, it's all vaccination is due to choice, but uh, first of all, we had people who felt regardless of what happens, it's wrong to even suggest this, and it is something they're looking at doing in Austria and New Zealand and going ahead of, uh, from what I'm reading anyhow, they're going ahead with it in Austria, but uh, Tim is in Bohr Tim says, taking people's dole off them is the way uh, of a dictatorship, and that's the way w- w- that's what all along we have been trying to get rid of across the world, uh, says Tim in Bohr And back to the issue of dress sense and Michael that text in earlier on about uh, the dress since he's just come back and to give, give him a right a reply because there's been a lot of commentary uh, on his text earlier on across the show uh, Michael says, just to clarify Hi JP, I have nothing against the way young people dress, it is their choice uh, Thank you Michael for your text to 103 103 Right, let's go to the movies uh, Mark Malone joins us as usual on a Friday afternoon to you Mark Hi, John Now, you're going along and uh, getting very uh, spooky and Halloween-y, first of all, with this one. Uh, this is called The Candyman. And I, I actually saw the trailer earlier on, Mark, so it's very suitable for the weekend. Uh, here is a quick trailer. And the legend is, if you say Candyman five times while looking in the mirror... Lay, Candyman. Candyman.
5: Candyman. He appears in the reflection and kills you. I heard, you're looking for Candyman. Candyman!
1: Candyman! (laughs) Now Mark, from what I saw of the trailer this morning, you don't really want to be meeting Candyman.
2: Yeah, and uh, even though I don't believe in ghosts and ghoulies, you won't catch me saying Candyman in front of a mirror five times, like I can tell you. <laughs>
1: well, why take the chat? If I see you, the days here, saying Candyman in front of a mirror, we'll be getting worried. I'll tell you what, you can head for the hills. Um...
2: Yeah, Candyman, yeah. So uh, this is kind of a new version of it. Uh, I actually saw the first one uh, back in 1992 in the cinema, I remember. Uh, that starred uh, Virginia Madsen, who was uh, the sister of, uh, of Michael Madsen. And it was a good movie. It wasn't bad at all. I mean, I really, really enjoyed it. After that, there were two sequels, which I never bothered with. I didn't see them. Now, this new version is, they say, a sequel, although it is, to me, very similar uh, to that uh, first film. <clears throat> it's very com kind of, very much kind of a modern retelling of this. And um, in a good way, and I think uh, it's kind of a very positive thing where now uh, the film, yes, it's still set in Chicago, but it's 20 years, 20, 30 years later. And now uh, a part of Chicago that used to be the projects is now very much gentrified. Because, uh, you know, uh, white big money and investment has come in and as has happened in Chicago. And it's basically moved the African American population out because, of course, they can't really uh, afford to uh, buy the property in the area. And even though there have been some criticisms of that and politicizing the film, I think it's fine. I think it's great. I think it gives it a kind of an underlying kind of, um, sense of kind of grittiness, I think, and a sense of kind of frustration and anger, uh, which adds, I think, to, uh, the, uh, the film. And I think that was kind of, uh, I'm fine with it and I think that's great. As far as Candyman himself is concerned, it's kind of an urban legend. This man, who used to kind of at one stage kind of leave um, razor blades in in sweets in in shops, and uh, he was beaten. He was. Well, people thought was the Candyman was actually beaten up by a group of police and so after that he now comes back to haunt and kill uh, he's got um, one arm uh, on the other arm he's got uh, this hook and he's also surrounded by bees the interesting thing about bees I always find is that even though bees are wonderful and gorgeous and fabulous and we, uh, we love bees when they're on screen there's something really kind of creepy about them uh, whether it's kind of the way they fly or it's the sound of the bees I don't know what it is uh, but the director here who's um, this is only her second film her name is Nia Takasta uh, what she does, she's very, very clever here in the sense that, you know, we don't see Candyman all the time. She adopts that technique that, say, Steven Spielberg used in Jaws, for example. What you don't see is kind of scarier than what you do see. And so there's always a kind of a sense of kind of uh, tension and foreboding where you don't see Candyman, but suddenly a bee will appear. And that's very creepy and very, uh, and uh, you know, or he'll leave a sweet just lying somewhere and so therefore you know then that something kind of desperate and terrible is going to happen and that sense of not being able to see uh, but but being able to hear is particularly I think uh, well um, kind of adopted here by her there's a wonderful scene for example where these six girls are in the bathroom and they decide to summon Candyman by saying Candyman five times to a mirror Nothing happens initially, of course, and so they kind of joke about it and laugh about it. Then suddenly they realize they can't get out of it because, out of the bathroom because the door's been locked. The, the, one of the girls runs into uh, a cubicle and then the, the, the camera just constantly concentrates on her as mayhem happens. Uh, outside her door. I mean, it's an extraordinary sequence, and it's scary and terrifying, and it's brilliantly done. And one of the things about kind of movie-making, everybody talks about kind of directors, everybody talks about great cinematography. Sound is a really, really important thing when it comes to movies, and I think it tends to be kind of disregarded in some way, and I think that's a terrible shame, because I don't know if people realize it or not, but when when, when movies are made, they're actually made in silence, and everything you hear has been overdubbed. If somebody walks in the door, the door is the sound effect. If people talk, it's been overdubbed probably inside in a studio. And so uh, the Foley people who have made these uh, sounds must have had a great time because I've never heard sounds like this before. And it is scary and um, and it is frightening. And I'm not a great horror fan. I'm not. You know, I have watched some of the Bloomhouse films lately, and I thought they were very entertaining and very good. This is very very good indeed. I mean, Mia Costa has done a terrific job here. Uh, Jordan Peele is uh, the writer. And producer here, and they have added to that first film. I mean, what was interesting when I saw the first film back in 1992, I remember liking it very much, but some of the uh, some of the critics were kind of sniffy about it. But now they look back and they say, "Oh, it's a classic and it's a great movie." I think this actually adds to it. I think this is actually a better film uh, than the 1992 one. It's certainly updated and updated in a very very good way. All the cast are great. Um, the director has done a very good job here considering that, uh, you know, she's not hugely experienced. And, um, it was delayed, I think, for a, a year because of the pandemic. But look, here it is. And it's available for you to watch it on this weekend, uh, which is why I watched it. And even though I'm not a huge horror fan, uh, I enjoyed it very much indeed.
1: Well that's good if, if you're not a huge horror fan I do like horror movies I don't know why I do like them Maybe it's the suspense factor you mentioned there uh, And I do like when you have the that ambience Kind of scary music in the background You know something may happen But as you say with this it's clever If, if he leaves kind of hints around and you see nothing That kind of builds you up more So you're waiting in for the pounce Well
2: she's very good at engineering tension She's very good at yeah. that Like I say with just the, the odd shot of a bee and, and, and a sweep But also the fact that I think There are jump scares here Now jump scares you know, tend to become a bit tiresome after a mm. while. But here they really, really work. She's very, very good at it. And I did jump on a number of occasions, but I spent the whole time kind of cringing in anticipation for what was about to come. And um, and it's very, very well made. It's a 15 cert by the way, and that's about right, I think.
1: All right, cert And out of uh, 10, how would you rate this one? I'll give it 8. Hey, so that's good. So 8 out of 10 for Candyman, which is now showing this weekend. And then uh, something else that's kind of spooky is Black Widow. Is the, is the title and the story in the name, or is there something totally different?
2: No, I wouldn't call it spooky. It's not really spooky. Oh, okay. it's, it's an action. It's an action movie. It's oh, part okay. of. Uh, it's part of the Marvel universe, and uh, this kind of takes place between kind of Captain America: Civil War and Avengers Infinity War. So they've kind of gone back a, a few years here and basically have told us the story about Black Widow, uh, played once again here by uh, Scarlett Johansson. So the question, I think the first question people want to know if they, they haven't watched any of those Captain America or Avengers films, you know, can we watch this? Will we know what's going on? I think you will, um, you know, because it's an origin story about her and her life. And... Uh, There are references to Captain America. There are references to Tony Stark. There are references to uh, the other Avengers. But I think if you haven't, don't worry about it. You can still watch and enjoy this not that it's perfect I mean there are problems a lot of problems with the film but it's still an enjoyable kind of piece of nonsense but you know you've got nothing better to do this is the film of course that had a lot of controversy recently because of course uh, Scarlett Johansson e. sued Disney which you know I initially when I heard about it thought well that's career breaker anyway you shouldn't be doing something like that um, but apparently she got paid 20 million for making the film oh, wow. but then because Disney decided to put it into cinemas and Disney Plus at the same time she considered that uh, she lost out on $40 million worth of earnings so she sued Disney for 40 which just goes to show you the kind of money that an individual can make from these movies doesn't I mean, it extraordinary.
1: that's a huge amount of money I didn't think you'd get more for our, I knew the cinemas would be big but the, 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 the streaming services such as Disney Plus I mean she'd make more as well from both of them so I mean I, I thought it would be just one one stream or as in one income stream from wherever it goes
2: well, that was Disney's argument. Disney said, look, you know, we made a lot of money on the streaming service on Disney+, and it did well in cinemas. So we don't, you know, an agreement was made. And because of the pandemic, what we offered, we think, was acceptable. Now, they have agreed on the deal. We don't know what that deal was. But it does, as I say, just goes to show you. I mean, when you consider how, you know, you could make, um, Blue House make movies for about $5 million, and they're extraordinary, and they create a lot of employment and just it goes to show you what one person could make just from one movie i mean if you look at say pirates of the caribbean and you look at johnny depp and look at the kind of money that he would have made over those five or six movies i mean it's extraordinary amount of money um but look that's for another time i mean you know what i mean but as far as the film itself is concerned um so we, as i say it is an origin story we hear about uh her life as a young child we initially see her with her sister and her parents in america <laughs> It looks as though they're just an ordinary kind of uh, American family until the father comes home one day and says, we have got to leave right now. They're then chased by American agents, and they go come back to Russia because we find out they were, in fact, Russian agents living and working in America. They are split up at uh, a very, very young age, and they are basically kind of, the girls are basically kind of kidnapped by Ray Winston here, who basically turns them into kind of kind of super kind of soldiers. At the same time, he develops this kind of mist, which, is, when sprayed into people's faces, means that he can completely and totally uh, control uh, these people. So Scarlett and, uh, has by now gone to America. Florence Pugh, her sister, as in Russia and has become known as a very, very well-known assassin. So therefore, what Scott and Florence decide to do is meet together, get their parents and kind of put that team together to go against uh, Ray Winston to stop his evil plot to take over the world. Now, the weird thing about it is that uh, – let's talk about the accents, I think, first of all, which is strange because Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson kind of brought, were brought up in America so they both had American accents. Um, for some reason, they decided along the way that Florence should now have a Russian accent. Scarlett has an American accent. David Harbour and Rachel Weiss as their parents, also have Russian accents, which is very, very odd. Ray Winston has a the, the weirdest accent I've ever heard, which is part kind of London white boy, part Russian, part American. I mean, it's all over the place. Um, so that's kind of a bit disconcerting at times. But um, so, but the, the thing that kind of saves this film is, is actually this family unit. So when the family actually get back together again, those scenes are really, really entertaining. Um, because what the two girls find out is that they have no relationship at all with their parents. Their parents don't care about them. Their parents said, look, we had a job to do. We uh, achieved what we set out to do. And so therefore, that, as you can imagine, was kind of incredibly disheartening to the two girls. Um, but they do get back to plan together again to go against uh, Ray Winston. And so then there's a series, as you can imagine, in this movie, a series of action uh, sequences. There's a lot of hand-to-hand combat uh, uh, kind of action sequences because, of course, Carly Hansen, even though she's part of the Avengers, like, you know, Loki is a god, Thor is a god, Tony Stark has all his kind of uh, hardware. Carly Hansen is... Uh, basically a soldier and so therefore there's a lot of hand-to-hand, hand-to-hand kind of fighting there's a little bit too much of that but there are some terrific action sequences as well a lot of it doesn't really make any sense and I think the disappointing think for me was that they basically looked I think at Captain America and thought okay let's look at that and let's reproduce that uh, because, and that's a shame because I think Black Widow uh, kind of deserves a better storyline mm. but after all that I was really entertained by it I thought it was good and I will still recommend it
1: Okay but it does sound like a great uh, movie and I had a totally different uh, a conception of what it was in my head but anyhow Mark out of 10 what do you how do you rate it <laughs> i give it 7 7 7 out of 10 well there are two good reviews uh, this week Black Widow and Candyman Mark thank you for that and we'll chat to you, you next welcome. week thank you Mark Malone there with our movie review and that's it Patricia Messenger is back with you on Monday from 10am have a great weekend I'm John Paul McNamara I'll